This episode is sponsored by Milk and Honey. If you've been listening for a while, then you know we are huge fans of Milk and Honey. Milk and Honey is a female-founded and funded brand that began as a luxury day spa in Austin, Texas, and has since grown to include eight locations across Texas, Chicago, and Los Angeles, as well as a line of bath, body, and skincare born from the spa. Milk and Honey sources and uses the safest possible ingredients in both their spa treatments and product lines, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful, informed choices on safe ingredients. Their online boutique also offers clean beauty products from top brands, including Osea Malibu, Virtue, Moon Juice, Supergoop, and more. You can save 20% at the Milk and Honey online boutique with code CWPODCAST. And from now through the end of the year, Milk and Honey has offered some exclusive specials for Courageous Wellness listeners to use at their spa locations. For any new or existing spa customers, you can save 20% on any spa service with code CWPODCAST. And as a special holiday treat, from now through the end of the year at Milk and Honey Brentwood or Milk and Honey Culver City, you can bring a friend to the spa and you'll both take 50% off your spa service at Milk and Honey with code CWBESTIE. You can find the link to book at the spa, shop online, and all the codes in our show notes on our Instagram link tree or website. CW Bestie saves 50% for you and a friend at the Los Angeles spa locations and CW podcast saves 20% online and at the spa for new and, and existing spa customers on any treatment through the end of the year. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys within wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness and empower you to feel your absolute best. And because we want to bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our Courageous Wellness. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Courageous Wellness. We have a great episode for you this week, um, all about the microbiome, especially children's and babies' microbiomes. Um, we have Minal Lele, who is author of The Baby in the Biome, on. Um, but before we get to the episode and to her formal intro, we're going to do our weekly updates as usual. So, Erica, I know you have some fun sort of like holiday ones. Holiday updates. Yes. I I mean, we're in December now, so there's no denying it. The holiday season is here. It's upon us. Last night, I decorated my brother and his fiance's Christmas tree. It was so fun. And um, I've been decorated for like weeks at my house. I think Thanksgiving is a, as a Jewish Buddhist to disclaim, I think that Thanksgiving is a Christmas holiday and is much more fun if you do celebrate to have your, you know, twinkle lights and all that up. So that was up for me before Thanksgiving. But my update is about peppermint mocha drinks. Cause I don't know if any of our listeners are like me, but I am obsessed with peppermint hot chocolate, peppermint mocha. I just love peppermint chocolate. I think it's delicious and it just tastes like Christmas to me. And I love, like, I'm not going to sit here and say I don't love, like, I love a Starbucks peppermint mocha. I love a Starbucks peppermint hot chocolate, but I'm also very aware of the sugar content and I can't drink that every single day. And so, and I also like to make coffee and matcha and all of that at home. Like I like the ritual of having coffee at home. So my update is about my favorite 
peppermint mocha drinks at home. And I want to share because one of them is, so I love peppermint mocha nut pods. They're delicious. They don't have any added sugar. They're non-dairy. They're super yummy. And if you do love the Starbucks drink, they're not as indulgent as the Starbucks drink, right? It's more of like a hint of peppermint mocha. Um, So what I'm, I found is, and I might've talked about the Chobani creamers before. Um, Chobani makes really delicious coffee creamers and they are, I would say comparable to, again, like if, if you're like me and you love the sweet stuff, it's great that we're having a gut health episode here, but I think this <laughs> yeah. is relevant because if you've historically enjoyed like the coffee mate seasonal drinks. I know they're very popular this time of year, right? The coffee mate pumpkin spice, the coffee mate peppermint mocha. Those taste very indulgent, probably comparable to the Starbucks drinks in taste. And I don't like to yuck anyone's yums, but the coffee mate ingredients are just not great for us, right? Um, they're they're very heavily inflammatory. Yeah. Heavily inflammatory made with hydrogenated oils. Just, you know, they're not not the best. So I say that because I have found the Chobani creamers are comparable in taste. They taste very indulgent and the ingredients are, are I think, pretty good. They have, um, so the peppermint mocha one is absolutely delicious. If you can get your hand on it, there are five ingredients. It's milk, cream, cane sugar. So there is sugar, peppermint oil, and cocoa. And then natural flavors. So if you're worried about natural flavors, you know, not for you. But for me, it tastes so indulgent. And a serving has only four grams of sugar. And it tastes like an indulgent peppermint mocha at home. And so on days I really want that, I don't have that every day, but I'll mix my nut pods with like a tablespoon of the Chobani peppermint mocha creamer in my coffee. And it's like I'm at Starbucks. It's lovely. It's delicious. Or I'll put like a tablespoon in a smoothie to make like a peppermint chocolate protein smoothie. It's just really yummy. Mm. And so I wanted to share that because... I think lower sugar alternatives are great, especially if you're like me and you want to have one or you could have one like every day. And with that, I will also share um, our friend, our friend in the wellness community and real life. And she's been on the podcast with her sister, um, Body Bliss by Jess, Jess Sukan. She creates these really delicious um, blends that you can mix in smoothies or make elixirs with or even put in your coffee. Yeah, they're latte blends. She has a peppermint chocolate one that has no added sugar and is unbelievably delicious. I ordered it. I I tried it for the first time last year. And when when she put it on sale this year, which I think was the week before Thanksgiving, I ordered it literally same day. I may have been like her first order. The email newsletter went out and I was like, bye. It is that good. Yeah. And it has no added sugar. So it I just usually, has a little bit of um, monk fruit monk to fruit. sweeten it, which is great. So like all of you, you know, we're always talking about blood sugar balance on this show. Um, you know, monk fruit doesn't spike your glucose levels. So, um, but it does have a little hint of that sweetness that you want in her blends, which is And nice. my favorite, my favorite, I'm just going to share like a quick little hot cocoa, peppermint hot cocoa recipe that I love is like a big scoop, a big tablespoon of... Um, Jess's peppermint uh, chocolate blend with the Saqqara metabolism powder, which is really great for your gut health. And it has a rich chocolate flavor and Kelly Levesque's chocolate grass fed protein powder. Oh my goodness. If you heat that up, it is the most indulgent. You don't need the Chobani creamer in it. Like it is the most indulgent chocolatey peppermint mocha with no, like it's just, it's so good. No bad ingredients. It's delicious. And so um, that's my little recipe. That's my update. I'm indulging in all of the peppermint deliciousness of the season with no guilt and total joy. But I wanted to just share in case you're like me and are looking for those alternatives. And if you want to try the Sakara Metabolism Super Powder, you can save 20% with code EXOCOURAGEOUS. So those are my updates. Allie, I know you have some food and gut updates too from yeah. So I've travels. just been traveling. Oh, actually like quick because we were talking about peppermint chocolate. I just impulse purchased because you know how kind of 
addicted is the wrong word, but how reliant I am on element, which is, um, it's an electrolytes powder with potassium, sodium, magnesium in it. So it's really, really great for cellular hydration. Also no sugar in it as well. Um, but they have like a, a limited time chocolate pack, which is chocolate mint, chocolate salt, and oh, a new like chocolate caramel, I believe that they're they're selling. And last night I saw that and I like bought it immediately. Yeah, <laughs> I love Element, but the chocolate salts aren't for me. Although yeah, you I, don't like saw, I saw on Kelly Levesque's story, she was heating them up to make like a hot chocolate. Yeah. And that I think probably tastes good. One but of my clients is super into that too, which I love too. If they want like a warm, hot, sweet drink at the end of the day, have something that's hydrating those cells. It's not going to spike your blood sugar, you know, and that feels warm and delicious. I have I to say, you, I you gave you all my me. mint chocolate because I was like, yeah. yeah, the cold, but I'm, I'm glad you love them. <laughs> I do love them. My husband doesn't like it either, but I, I love them. Um, so that's great. More for me. <laughs> um, no, but my kind of observation was I was traveling quite a bit over Thanksgiving and, um, a lot of it was in in like hotels so that there so we were eating out and eating at restaurants way more than i normally do way way more and i realized no matter what like even if i'm trying to make you know blood sugar balancing choices or nutrient dense choices from a restaurant menu i wound up having some like gut issues, digestive, in specifically digestive stuff, um, including some like reflux, you know, we get real here on the show, but um, which never happens to me, but I eat 80 to 90% of my meals probably at home. Most of the time I like to go to dinner. So does my husband. So we do go to restaurants, you know, um, we go to restaurants at least once, maybe twice a week. But the majority of the food is cooked at home and it's whole foods. And I, after a week of just out of like necessity eating out, I was feeling symptoms that were really unpleasant. And I realized, you know, this is kind of relevant to the the topic today, although we're going to talk about it in the context of especially children's gut health and allergies and eczema. But our digestion is, you know, obviously deeply linked to our gut health as well. And it's just impossible to get the right amount of fiber or the like a supportive amount of fiber when you're eating at restaurants all the time. It's hard to know the ingredients um, fully. And I just, I, it was just eye-opening to me because I hadn't had that in a while. And like two days home, totally back to normal you know? So it's, that's, that's the empowering part about this. Like if you're on a journey, discovering more about gut health, discovering more about the kind of the importance of the microbiome in, in so many different facets of our health. I think what's cool and Erica, you've talked about this in, in, you know, workshops that we've led, but within a matter of days, we can really start seeing changes in our gut microbiome and in our health um, and our digestive health as well. So that's the empowering part. So if you're having a difficult time, but want to start you know, making some changes or tweaks, you're going to start feeling better almost immediately, which is yeah. pretty awesome. That's why I think I fell in love with gut health to begin with, because it's very empowering the way we're able to make changes pretty quickly, you know, and, um, yeah, I love it. And I feel the same way when I eat at home, I always feel better and it's just, it's a great reminder. So I think, thank you for sharing that with us, Allie. Yeah. <laughs> so and before we get into the show, we just want to remind everybody, um, that we are doing an awesome, 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 awesome deal right now with milk and honey spas, specifically in the Los Angeles locations. So, um, in Brentwood and Culver City, you can bring a friend or book with a partner, just as a second person, two people. With code CW Besties, you both get 50% off your services, which is so awesome. It's now through the end of the year. And then at all of the milk and honey locations nationwide, the spa locations, whether you're a returning 
customer or a new one, you can book and with code CW podcast, get 20% off any of your services. It also applies to their in-person retail stores and the online retail um, boutique as well. So CW podcast, 20% off at milk and honey. Yep. And it's gift certificate season and gift giving season. And I personally don't think there's any better gift than receiving a gift certificate to a spa or for spa, spa things, spa like things. Right. And, um, anybody you give our gift certificate, uh, a gift certificate to, to milk and honey, they can use the code CW podcast and just get more bang for their buck. So it's a great gift and yeah, check out milk and honey. All of that is in our show notes, but today we have a great episode and without further ado, let's get into it. So today on the podcast, we have Menal Lele, medical researcher, founder of Lil Mixins and author of the baby and the biome. Menal's personal experience fueled her interest in the importance of the microbiome after her son developed food allergies as a baby. Motivated by this, she sought to figure out the root cause of what was causing these allergies. Drawing on her medical background and through extensive research and interviews with scientists and doctors, Menal discovered the simple practical steps that all parents and pregnant people can take to help foster a healthy and protective microbiome in their baby. The Baby in the Biome is meant to empower parents to safeguard their children's health for years to come. We really enjoyed this conversation with Menal and hope you take away all the helpful information from her about preventing or dealing with eczema and allergies and developing strong microbiomes from the earliest moments of life. Hi guys, before we get to today's episode, we want to share how excited we are to offer our community 20% off their first order at Sakara with code XO Courageous. We have been big fans of the company for years and the Sakara Life organic meal delivery program is based on a whole food plant-rich diet that includes fresh, nutrient-dense and delicious ingredients. It's perfect for those weeks you need a refresh or don't have time to meal prep. They also have a clean boutique, which offers delicious food forward bars, snacks, beauty water drops, and my personal favorite metabolism super powder, which works to fire up your metabolism, stabilize blood sugar, eliminate bloat and decrease puffiness. The naturally rich low sugar, dark chocolate flavor is perfect for smoothies or simply mixed with coffee and nut milk. I also regularly use the Sakar cookbook full of plant-rich recipes, which you can purchase on their website. Click the link in our show notes to visit sakara.com and use code XO Courageous for 20% off your first order. We know you will love it as much as we do. Now on to the episode. Thank you for joining us, Minal. We're really looking forward to this conversation with you today. Um, just to get started, can you share with our listeners a little bit about you and your personal background and journey and how that has led you into the the work that you're doing now? Yeah, sure. Thanks for so much for having me. Um, you know, like so many other people who become disease advocates, right? It's like when it finally touches you personally. And obviously, we all know about food allergies. We'd heard about this rise, but it was when my son got it that it really hit home um, how how out of nowhere it can be, I think. And that's really, I think that's really where a lot of fear for parents comes from because it really feels random. And I hate the idea of things that are random because um, I don't like to be scared. (laughs) And so um, the journey was, I needed an explanation. I needed to understand how did this happen to my kid? Why did it happen to my kid? Was it gonna happen to my next kid? That sort of thing. And so the, you know, the journey to kind of where we are now or where I am now is basically just that um, I started kind of doing what I always do is just like reading everything I could possibly get my hands on. And I tend to go deep, like I just go straight to the journals. Um, I read the medical journals. I, I started cold calling immunologists and saying like, you know, I, you saw, you wrote this paper about this and what else do you know? And am I interpreting this correctly? Well, wouldn't this imply this other thing? And, you know, over time they were, they went from being like, who are you <laughs> to um, sort of actually working with me. And um, yes, yeah, so now we are, five, took, that was about five years of work to get to this book. Wow. It's, it's amazing. I mean, it, it does make sense that I think all, a lot of us who wind up in a certain field go through some sort of personal um, 
experience where uh, it transforms our life. Um, sometimes maybe for the worse in the beginning and then ultimately for the better from the, you know, the good that you can create from that. Um, but I imagine that initial experience was scary with your son or your child. I think you said your son. Yeah, right? it's a son. Yeah. And um, did you ever like in your own life, had you ever experienced allergy in any way or was it truly something like that was, it was the first time it was on your radar? It was pretty much the first time I was on my radar. You know, I mean, if I walk into a really dusty house, like I sneeze, right. <laughs> Which I suppose is technically an allergy, but that's like, you know, we're not just, just dust. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think I, I mentioned this in the book, even that, you know, when, when my son first had his first allergic reaction, my initial, my initial response wasn't fear. It was just like straight up confusion. You know, my initial, I just sort of, we were just staring at him being like, I don't understand what could possibly be happening because it was so out of the realm of what we thought was possible, you know, that it was, we, we just sort of sat there for, for like way too long, way longer than we should have. And so, um, yeah, it was less, less fear and more just like, what is happening right now? Yeah. It, you know, it's so interesting. And I feel like this conversation is getting so common and popular, right? I think a lot of people are noticing, right? Even in ourselves as like adult women and, you know, Ali and I are babies of, you know, the eighties and nineties. It's like, we, a lot of us have more allergies than I feel like ever before. Um, and did as children as well. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and I think, right, this conversation obviously in the last 20, 30 years has grown so much more than maybe 50 years ago. So what do you think is an important part of the conversation for anybody who's listening? We have listeners of all ages, um, who might be, pregnant, might be mothers or might be trying to get pregnant or planning on pregnancy um, sooner than later. What do you think we can do to help prepare um, our bodies and in those newborn phases to make sure, is there anything we can do or is it is it just an environmental issue, just the way the world has changed so much in the last 30 years? So at least some of it is an environmental issue. Some of it is how the world has changed. And yeah, that, that part is harder to, to deal with. And yet it isn't, you know, to the same extent that um, even if you have air pollution in your city, right, but you can ventilate your house, you can filter the air in your house. Like there are still things you can do. You can still spend time because it tends to not be, um, it, it tends to not be binary in the sense that like, this happened and therefore you definitely have allergy, right? It's always about cumulative risk. And one of the things we talk about in the book is it's really, really helpful to think about allergic diseases. They are immune diseases. And it's really helpful to think of them like cancers. And not to scare people more. I'm not trying to you know, create some cancer battle analogy here. I'm just, they're both are self diseases in the sense that it's not a virus that caused you to get ill. It's not a car accident that happened to you. It's your body malfunctioning, right? And there was a time where cancers were really random feeling as well. And then we started to realize, oh wait, smoking directly causes lung cancer. Secondhand smoke directly causes this. Hey, asbestos causes you know this kind of cancer. Well, that kind of radiation causes brain cancer, right? So if we started to tease out where, what was triggering the body to malfunction, and then we could do something about it, right? And that's kind of where we are with um, allergic and immune, uh, autoimmune. So the, the overall category of immune diseases. So actually answer your question. Um, you know, the important thing to know is that it's not you. It's, it's truly the case today that 40 to 50% of children born today have, will develop a chronic illness, a chronic immune disease. That's how bad it is. And I'm not making that number up to be hyperbolic. If you to add up the numbers, that's really where it is. And so what are the things you can do, right? Is first start to understand your environment um, and the things in your environment as having what are called immunogens, right? You think about carcinogens, but there are actually things called immunogens that affect your immune system. And those can cause, you know, tell, basically put your body into this confused state where you develop these diseases. So certain things that are immunogens are air pollution, like the particulate matter coming out of cars. That's a, that's a known immunogen. Um, but we also know that the chemicals in baby wipes are immunogens in the sense 
is that they will strip your body and they will strip a baby's body and their skin of both healthy bacteria and the protective oils that keep the immune system calm. Um, the last thing, like the last big category, and we can go into a lot of specifics, but there's a lot of it is about skincare for babies um, because the skin is kind of the only way a baby is interacting with the outside world, right? If you think about it, they're not really eating real food. They're not doing a lot of things. They're not like playing on a playground, right? They're just sort of laying there. And so the things, their immune system is really designed to pay attention to what comes in contact with their skin. So the more we destroy their skin barrier, the more the immune system is going to go like, hey, 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 we need to pay attention. So that's really, so it's a lot of it is about protecting um, a baby's skin. And then you also asked about pregnancy. It's the same thing. It's anything that's causing inflammation in your body is going to be translated to the fetus and it's going to be translated to the baby, right? So um, we know like certain illnesses, certain, you know, having a lot of gut distress shows you that your body's in an inflammatory state. Obesity, unfortunately, same thing. Your body's in a perpetual inflammatory state. Um, what you eat, you know, whether you exercise, all these things determine how inflamed and how, and inflammation again is how kicked up is your immune system. Yeah. And that's the definition of inflammation. Yeah. No, it, it makes sense. And I think sometimes it can feel overwhelming. I know we've mentioned this in different conversations on other episodes where, you know, everything from the environment to food to, um, as you were saying, skin, you know, literal like contact to the baby skin, but even just like what we put in our own skin, even as if, if you're talking about the case of like the mother or a pregnant person um, and how that can disrupt hormones and different things that like can, you know, go into our bloodstream and add to inflammation or an inflammatory response in the body. And um, sometimes it feels like, wow, if I'm not doing this, 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 and this, there's like all these sort of like, as you were mentioning earlier, a little bit like a fear around it that can be created. But when you are also saying that it's really a cumulative um, effect. I think that's actually like a really important point to kind of focus on for a second because it's not all or nothing. It's just what can we do to perhaps mitigate the intensity of the, you know, toxic exposure because we're going to we're going to be exposed to car particles if you exist in this world. We live in Los Angeles. I mean, it's there's a lot of air pollution as much as you can maybe control it in your own home. Um, not everybody can, but it's, you know, there, there are certain things that are unavoidable. So it's like, what are the things that we can do to mitigate some of yep. that? And that's actually like a really empowering point that it doesn't have to be everything, but if there are certain things that people be can become more aware of and do for themselves, it's going to, uh, have an effect in, right. in a positive that's, way. That's exactly right. Yeah. And you know, good diet is actually the really unfortunately it's the it's the root of all so many things right but good diet is one of the biggest things you can do to control what health state you're in from all of these perspectives and so um and that but that truly is in our control yeah i mean definitely for the most part um you know i guess it's a bigger conversation for people that don't might not have access or whatever but yes as far as like if you have access to what you choose to eat absolutely um, what was I going to ask you? So let's, let's go on to that for a second, because little mixins, you do start with dietary sort of add-ins. And I'm curious the experience with your first child, and you notice that he was experiencing sort of these reactions. Um, and some of it is food allergy. And we know that as you were saying, children now more than ever are experiencing food allergy. I think kids can't even, aren't even allowed to bring like peanut butter to school anymore. Um, where when we were growing up, it was like mm -hmm. a daily staple. I don't know for better or for worse, but there was a lot of peanut butter involved in my childhood. And, um, so can we talk about sort of two scenarios? One, you had to be a parent that had to deal with this after the effects of it showing up in your child. Um, and the second, then you when you had another child, 
you were more aware of this. So, and had started to do the research about it and how we can, like, how are, how can parents take steps to at least, I don't know, mitigate the chances of develop, of their children developing severe allergies. And if they're already in the state of the kids having allergies and having shown uh, responses, what are some of the steps that they can do? Sure. Well, you know, my older son was born before the data came out showing that most food allergies are preventable. And my younger son was born after that. So, you know, we had just different information. And in fact, we were given different instructions. Um, I actually think we were given the same instructions for both, but I knew better by then. Um, So with the older son, we were told, you know, we needed to avoid all these foods when he was an infant. And now we know that that's actually a direct cause of most food allergies. So this is actually a really simple one, right? So if babies eat a sufficient quantity of the the proteins, now when we have food allergies, we're allergic to the proteins. Our body's reacting to the peanut protein, the cashew protein, the egg protein, right? So if if babies starting around four months old, which is very young, and so parents think, oh, you know, that's so small, let me just wait a couple months. But no, it has to be around four months old. If they start that young and regularly, that's like more than once a week, feed their baby about two grams of the protein, we can dramatically reduce the risk of of those food allergies. We're talking like vaccine level efficacy. 97% of peanut allergies are preventable with if parents follow the protocol. So that's really key. It's not about my baby tasted peanut butter one time. It's every single week from when they were four months old, at least through their first birthday, ideally longer, they're eating a sufficient amount of peanut protein. 97% reduction in the rate of peanut allergy, right? I mean, that's that's as good as you can get, I mean, in terms of a vaccine, if you will, right? Um, same thing with eggs. The data is over 80%. But they, the keys there, you have to start early enough and you have to do it often enough. And if you're not doing those things, the benefit, it, there's still some benefit, but it's, it's it, like it diminishes quickly, unfortunately. Uh, it's so, again, this conversation is so fascinating and I think it can feel a little overwhelming as well, you know, and I think what's so amazing about your company and, and now your book too, offering such a great resource is um, it kind of having people you can trust kind of takes that overwhelm out of it a little bit. And as we've been talking in this whole conversation, I feel like sometimes in the mom community, and I've talked to friends who have had children and feel this way too, there can be a lot of shame attached to Mm -hmm. choices. And I don't know if you can speak to that at all too, about kind of taking away the shame and just doing what's best for each individual child. Sure. I mean, I agree with you. I think that there's, there's, as as you said, there's like so many different things we could be doing and forget that it's overwhelming. Like it's just physically impossible to get down the whole list. Right. So one of the things that, you know, early allergen introduction, for example, is it takes time, but there are products out there that can help you and it has a huge impact. Right. Again, um, we, we also have a line of, of um, probiotics, but the specific probiotic strain, L-remnosis, that again, there's 10 different clinical studies that show if moms take it from their third trimester through when they're breastfeeding, it cuts the risk of eczema by 50%. And eczema is the leading cause of food allergy and asthma, right? So these are two things you could do that would dramatically reduce the risk of two, two big diseases, right? And, and, and basically take them off the table, pun intended, I suppose. Um, the Right. So it doesn't have to be, it's not necessarily everything. The best thing about all these studies is these studies were done recently in our current environment. So people that are still experiencing air pollution, people that are still, you know, using regular detergents and other things. And then I think that the, the whole list of other things you can do is actually a lot about doing less stuff. And that's also, I think, a really helpful framing is because we tend to think of it as like, I, you know, I need to exercise. I need to wake up at 6 a.m. to exercise. This is not part of the list for the record. I'm just thinking about me in the mornings being like, well, I have to wake up again to exercise, right? But it's like, if you if you think of it in the inverse, which is like, I have to be sedentary less, 
you know, or get to be sedentary less, it suddenly changes it. And you're like, oh, well, that's actually easier. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that, so I put the onus here, not on the parents, because all of us go into parenthood, not ever having been parents before. And that's unfair, right? Like that's unfair in the situation is like, if you were never taught anything about a car and then they handed you keys and were like, have fun, good luck, you know, and then you crash, you'd be like, well, I just, I didn't know anything about the car, right? Which is why they make you go through this whole two year process of learning to drive. We don't even do that with parenting, right? We make you spend two years or something learning how to drive properly, but like you don't get any information on how to be a parent. So I put this, this onus here on sort of, um, you know, pediatricians and others to like give you good advice or what are the small actionable things you can do. And, and then, and then again, everything is about risk, right? Just because we, most of us have stopped smoking doesn't mean nobody has lung cancer. There's also random chance to life, right? So all we are ever trying to do is reduce our risk, our unnecessary risk of things, right? But, but like life's going to happen. We can't, we're not, there's no, there's still, you know, since biblical times, there's still going to be sadness and yeah. things. <laughs> I think that's a really good point, though, the the reframing it where it's like even even just using your exercise example, it's like all of a sudden you change the language around it. You change sort of the point of view. Um, it It's yeah, it's like, what do I get to do? What do I what do I feel empowered in this moment that I have? I have choice around or I have um, some agency around as well. So I think that's I think that's a good point when we're fighting shame, especially I know you know, like you said, new parents, it's like, it's still, you know, a little bit like, uh, right. Driving, driving blind a little bit in that way. Um, so what I was going to ask is a little bit more specific. Now you were talking about some of the probiotic strains for maybe people in their third trimester into their early, um, feeding. And I'm sure, well, I guess I have sort of two questions. One is like when you are breastfeeding, um, we know like it's so good for the baby's immunity if they get to be breastfed, if that's an option. Um, and how does the mother consume certain, like you said, even as early as four months, which I'm assuming then the child would get, um, some sort of like anti-allergen or, or like uh, developing sort of some exposure to the allergens through the breast milk. Um, how do, or how, or through formula, like how do, I know you have mix mixins as is the name of your company, but how does that, I guess, literally work as far as like that early of exposure? What is it like, how do you put in the, the powders? Is it through, does the mother ingest it or is it through the breast, um, through formula. And then, so that's like part one. And then the other thing I would love to ask you about is to talk a little bit more about the eczema as a leading cause, because I always think about eczema as a, as a symptom. So can you talk about the correlation between eczema and the other allergies you mentioned? Yeah, sure. Okay. So let's get to your first question about how does this stuff work, right? So yeah. I want to be clear that it's not just any probiotic. It's the specific bacteria, L-rhamnosis. is the only thing that's ever been proven. They tried other stuff. doesn't work. So L-rhamnosis, when taken, but again, it has to be taken in this exact way. If people only take it when pregnant or only breastfeeding, it doesn't have the same level of effect. So for moms, there's just a capsule. Most people will do. For babies, if they're breastfeeding and or formula feeding, they get it in a dropper. So you can just drop it into their mouth. You know, you, you do that bait and switch with them, like offer them the breast, but drop in a little, <laughs> drop in a little bit and then feed them. Um, when it comes to the mix-ins, there is a, so it, this is a problem. This is a conflict because the AAP currently says exclusive breastfeeding until six months. They also say that you should introduce all these allergens by between four months and six months. They also say you should not adulterate breast milk. So now we're at a conundrum. What are we supposed to do? The truth is that the baby babies can eat after four months. There's nothing stopping them. The reason we want babies to quote exclusively breastfeed is we want almost all their nutrition to come from breast milk. And that should be the case for the through age one for the record though. Every food that baby eats from four months to 12 months old is like quote for fun right? It's, it's feeding for fun or for texture or for taste and all this other stuff. So these mix-ins mix into um, their, their powders and, you know, two grams of protein is a lot, 
for a teeny person, right? A, a protein shake for us is like eight grams to 12, right? So they're teeny. And um, we don't want you to put it into breast milk because they might drink less breast milk the same way we eat less when we, you know, we chunk up protein in our food. And we don't want babies doing that. We want them to drink the normal amount of breast milk. We don't want them dehydrated. We want, want them most other things. But in between their feedings, they can eat. It's actually a pretty small amount of food because they're very dry powders. You can, you can just mix them with water. You can mix it with a little bit of yogurt, with um, you know, baby cereal or anything else, and just kind of feed it to them. Um, so, so that's how you do it. But yeah, it basically requires you to start feeding them before months old. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's what I, that's where <laughs> that's I guess I was confused for yeah, a second. No. Yeah. So you that, and everybody else. Okay. So thank you for, um, thank you for elaborating on that. And then just a little bit on, um, the eczema mm-hmm. connection with the other allergies. Yep. So it's not just a correlation thing. It's literally that eczema can cause the other diseases and how this happens is so when you think about, so what causes the eczema in the first place, there's a big debate about this. We don't really understand entirely. Is it like, they call it like an inside out or an outside in doesn't really matter because once you have eczema, so eczema is the itch that, uh, yeah, the itch that rashes, they call it right. Which primarily means it's itchy. And what do you do when it's itchy? You or a baby, you scratch. What happens when you scratch, you create holes in your skin literal holes in your skin if you think about it right even even when you're when you're scratching down a couple levels of skin so we are constantly being exposed to dust from everything foods any food your family's eating any food anything in the environment is now not being kept outside of you by your actual skin but it's getting into you because you have holes in your skin and that is how most people get sensitized to foods because if you think about it Babies will react, they'll have an allergic reaction, quote, the first time they eat a food, but that's not fundamentally possible. You, your body cannot have a reaction to something it wasn't expecting. So the only way it becomes sensitized to those foods is because you're getting in- ingestion of the food, if you will, through the skin. And so that's how eczema literally causes, and a lot of asthma is an allergic disease, same thing, your body's reacting to pollutants that are not being screened out by your lungs, but are getting inside you. and so that's, that's, that's what's happening. And so that's how eczema can directly actually cause it. And there's even this really fun study, if you want to go deep on this, which is that when we scratch, that, like, that neurologically creates more cells that actually cause anaphylactic reactions. So the more you scratch, the more likely you are to develop anaphylaxis to it too. We want to take a quick break from this episode to talk about today's sponsor, Ned. If you have listened to this podcast, then you know I struggle with anxiety. When I first learned about CBD being a natural and powerful solution to anxiety, sleep disorders, muscle pain, headaches, and so much more, I became very passionate about finding the best source to put in my body. Enter Ned. Ned's full spectrum hemp oil is USDA certified organic, extracted from USDA certified organic hemp plants, grown by an independent farmer named Jonathan in Paonia, Colorado. And I use the products daily to support my anxiety, and it has been so helpful in everyday life. These products are science-backed, nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs. Right now, we are both really enjoying Ned's brand new product, which has been in development for over a year, the De-Stress Blend. This one-to-one formula of CBD and CBG is made from the world's purest full-spectrum hemp. And check out these ingredients. CBG is known as the mother of all cannabinoids because of how effective it is at combating anxiety and stress by inhibiting the reuptake of GABA, the neurotransmitter responsible for stress regulation. And ashwagandha is an amazing Ayurvedic adaptogen that enhances your body's resilience to stress. And the delicious taste of this blend is thanks to the botanical infusion of cardamom and cinnamon. Cinnamon is a powerful prebiotic that supports your gut health, a key player in your mental health. And cardamom combats stress by helping reduce your blood pressure and cortisol levels. Ned's quality also really speaks for itself. Ned's products have over 1,500 five-star reviews, and they work with incredible partners within the medical field like Dr. Caroline Leaf, Dr. Christian Gonzalez, and Dr. Will Cole, who has been a two-time guest on Courageous Wellness. 
If you'd like to give Ned a try, Courageous Wellness listeners get 15% off Ned products with code CWPODCAST. Visit helloned.com slash CWPODCAST to get access. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash CWPODCAST to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. A direct link can also be found in our show notes. We are so excited to offer our listeners a new discount to one of the best probiotic supplements on the market, Seed. If you are a regular listener of the podcast, then you know that Allie and I are both very serious when it comes to the importance of gut health and building a thriving microbiome. I personally have been using Seed for close to a year now and have noticed a big difference in my digestion and bloating. I am devoted to taking Seed every single morning before food, and I'm really excited to share their daily symbiotic with our audience. The formulation of the daily symbiotic combines a probiotic and prebiotic, is vegan and gluten-free, and includes 24 clinically studied, naturally occurring strains, not found in yogurt or fermented foods and beverages, and lives up to the highest standards for human and planetary health. Yes. And in addition to being a really reliable probiotic and prebiotic supplement, Seed is committed to creating science-based education for all those that partner with them through accountable advertising at Seed University. This is where we are all committed to not spreading misinformation about health on the internet. Pretty important, right? Also, I personally love their commitment to sustainability with a refill system and all recyclable or biodegradable packaging materials. Erica and I only advertise products that we use and feel are of benefit to us and by extension could be of value to our community as well. If you would like to order Seed Daily Symbiotics to incorporate into your own gut health routine, go to seed.com and use the code COURAGEOUS15 at checkout for 15% off or click on the link in our show notes. I think my mind is just blown learning all of this too, because again, it's not something we're really taught or like, I don't know why, right? I don't know if, um, different conversation. It's like capitalism or the healthcare system, or I no, don't it's know, actually like, just new. It's we just, just new. didn't know okay. until like this, all this information came out <laughs> in the last five years or less. Okay. Well, that's fascinating. Cause I was going to say, it reminds me a little bit of the more I've learned about like women, like holes in women's health studies, right? Like it just wasn't studied, right? Like things like endometriosis and w- it, everything is new because too, we weren't, um, I don't know if there wasn't an interest or there wasn't funding, um, but a lot of women's health issues just weren't studied. Um, and we did an amazing episode with Eleanor Clegg- Cleghorn called the unwell, or she has a book called the unwell woman, which is incredible. And, um, you know, it's interesting to me. So it's good that this is all being studied, but, and again, like you said, the environmental factors have changed so much. I know like the chemicals in our products and all of this is so I think allergies are becoming more and more prevalent. So there's a need to study this, but it's just, it's like wild to never have known or learned about any of this. And I never had eczema, but I know everybody in my like friends as children, like everyone had eczema. It was so common. And so again, sorry, this isn't a question. I'm just like, well, my mind is blown. (laughs) Maybe it's also like where the like, don't scratch (laughs) comes from like your parents yelling at you, like don't scratch, but it's not obviously not known, but just sort of that, like if it's intuitive, intuitive, yeah. I'm wondering, cause I know now they have like a chicken pox vaccine, but we all got, I mean, I got chicken pox as a kid. And so even if I didn't have eczema, could the scratch, I mean, could it have done the same thing? Like, is it all it's scratching or is it so, so it's no, specifically no, no. So, so here's, this is very important is that your immune system is your second brain. And just like your brain has very specific windows of development, your immune system does too. And most allergies develop between four months old and 12 months old. Mm-hmm. And so if you make it out of that window without the food allergies, you're probably not going to get them. The adult onset allergies are happening. That's a whole other conversation that we can get into if, if you, you know, as you said, if you want to nerd out about it. 
Um, to your point, you know, your point earlier about why didn't we know this? It's honestly because it's just been the last like 50 years that we've introduced hundreds of thousands of new chemicals into our yeah. environment. And so we didn't have this disease before. So there was nothing to study. And I mean, it obviously existed to some small extent, right? We've known about anaphylaxis for over 100 years. But it's only when enough people had eczema that they started, there was, there was even anything to study, right? right. And, then, and then they started could tease out and enough people had to have food allergies. And so um, it's a little bit of a different situation when it comes to these diseases is mostly that they weren't prevalent enough until somewhat recently. And the hope is that we are, with all this new information that they're kind of cresting, right? In the sense that um, they won't get worse from here and then we can start to pull back. And in fact, with food allergies, we're starting to see that happening where food allergy rates have been, they were growing, they were doubling every five years and they finally leveled off because of probably just as early allergen introduction came out, they're starting to level off and then kind of, then they'll come back down, you know, wow. once the practice becomes routine. That's, I mean, that's positive. That's good news yeah. because it seems like it's just been kind of, as you said, Bright side. doubling every five years or whatever. That's, that's fast. That's a really high growth rate um, for something that people don't want. And so I'm curious, I have quite a few friends with toddlers who are toddler moms. And, um, I guess that's just like my phase in life where I am now, but, um, some of them are dealing with this and, and really, you know, have been for like, as you said, the last year and a half, maybe if they have a two-year-old or three-year-old, cause it develops between that, you know, four to 12 month. Um, if someone's listening to this episode and has maybe children who are no longer babies, but are in that toddler zone and deal with eczema, deal with um, some sort of allergic response, whether it's to food or other things. Um, what would you suggest, like where would you suggest starting for mm -hmm. people who are already experiencing sim symptoms in their kids? Yeah, that's a great question. And really where I found myself as a parent, right? Which is like, okay, we've got this situation. Now what do we do? And interestingly, the same research that teaches us how to prevent these diseases has a lot to offer about what could we do about them. So, so phase one is to really understand that eczema, food allergies, and asthma, they're all the same disease exhibiting in different body systems. They're all allergic diseases, right? So, so what that means though is, which it is intuitive with food allergy, but not with the others, is you gotta find the trigger. You gotta figure out what your kid is reacting to. And if you can get that out of their environment, it could be goose down quilts, it could be mold, it could be, you know, lots of different things. It could be foods, it could be, and because there's all different kinds of ways allergies can exhibit themselves. For a lot of people, it is eczema, because it's not what are called anaphylactic allergies. They have these other kind of allergies called like mixed IgE, non-IG allergies, and they present as eczema. So, you know, you have to find that trigger, um, which could often look like what we did with my kid, which is not what everyone has to do, but it worked. So, if, you know, put that out there is we went, you know, we went scorched earth. We pulled almost everything that could possibly be. We were down to like the most basic, cleanest possible diet he could have, the most basic, cleanest environment in terms of like everything. And then, and everything went away. And then once you have, once you, once it goes away, then you start adding everything back in one at a time. And then when something reacts, you pull it back out. Now you, that's on your bad list and you go to the next thing, right? Like, can we, can, is it the detergent? Add it back in. Yep, that's one. Okay, try a different one, right? And, and it was a tedious process for us, but it worked and it made all the difference. So it's finding those triggers. And then overall is just recognizing that the reason your kid is in this state is that something's wrong, probably at least to some extent with their gut health. And you got to get that fixed. Um, that's all about diet again. Maybe, maybe you seek, you know, help from a functional medicine doctor or a naturopathic physician or someone around what do we do? But, but that whole field, if I'm totally honest, is like, they know a lot, they don't know everything. Um, there's still a lot more to be learned. But I would say that just the getting rid of triggers, and knowing what your triggers are helps you avoid them. Um, you know, is it, it can make such a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. And then is there a way, I mean, as you said, it's, it's a, it's a gut health thing. And I guess there's a way if you work with either you do your own research and it's trial and error and developing like a healthy microbiome again, which can happen. We can do it as adults. We can do it mm -hmm. as humans. That's like, that's the good news about all of this is that even though it's 
a very tedious process, especially when I think you're dealing with small children because um, they can't necessarily, they can't do it for themselves and there's no context for that. And, um, and you can't control all the factors because you'll, you'll go crazy. (laughs) But um, I think the, the good news of all of this is that we can um, heal our gut microbiome through, as you said, food, through uh, sort of probiotic, different ones, probiotic strains. Um, and so did you say, because you were talking about the protocol with a specific strain specifically for eczema, you said that it's really about doing it in the way, like the protocol for it in a specific way. And it's after that fact, it doesn't necessarily have as much, um, correct efficacy. It's never been, it hasn't been shown to work after that. And again, I don't think they have really understand why, like why why this one strain, why in this exact period of months? Like they're just like, I don't know. We just tried it 16 different ways. And this is the one that works over and over again. Right. And there's so much we don't understand about this whole thing because it's such a complex system. It's not like, and I think we're learning that more and more about all areas of medicine. Like anytime you introduce a drug or anything else, it's not, it's not just like linear. It doesn't just have the effect you want it to. It's always going to have all this effect on everything else. And when it comes to your microbiome, that's so complex. And, and yeah, I just, I don't think we get it. Uh, But I just want to go back to that point about, um, you know, like you said, healing your gut. I would say that even if you never take a probiotic, most doctors will tell you starting and ending with a good diet. Absolutely. Right. Because I I use this analogy. It's like probiotics is like painting a wall that you keep taking a sledgehammer to, right? Like what's the point? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're not doing the other, the other like deep, soil work if you want to use like a garden yeah. analogy well, you're just and also that can't grow if they're mm-hmm. going to be able to stick right because I think that's mm-hmm. why probiotics exactly. get such a bad rap so much is because you know even as health coaches I get asked that all the time like but mm-hmm. you know I read that they go right through me or that and and of course you know different brands different strains are they living are they not but if you don't have a good ecosystem to support right. the probiotic you're putting in well, yeah, of course they're going to die. <laughs> like they're not going right. to be able to flourish there. So, um, yeah, you're 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 preaching to the choir here. We're like, right? Yes. No, I know, but it's but that is what it is, right? It's, it's like, important. It's, no matter how bad of a state you're in, it's just like oh, I mean, maybe instead of a like a what a drug does is like you have immediate effects. But it's, I think it's like the same thing. Like I give this example to someone. There's so many cases where surgery is no more effective than physical therapy. Surgery is just faster. Right. And, but surgery has real downsides. Like you could die in surgery. You could, you know, you could have all these weird outcomes from surgery. And so if you just put in the work, like you eventually get there, you know, for, for example, for like ACL tears, you're almost better Mm -hmm. off, but you got to do the physical therapy and you got to put in the work. And then it's actually more effective or as effective as a surgery and and probably long-term better for Mm -hmm. you. Right. Because, um, you know, it just as, as one example, but, um, but yeah, it's like, it's eating that, eating well. And I would say the right way to look at it is look, not every, like we, every, we have all these same, we're all breathing the same air and yeah. diet, whatever. Right. But clearly some of us are more sensitive to it than others. And that sucks. And that is what it is. But if your kid happens to be one of those kids, then you got to put in the work. Like you just got to get, then, then it really, really matters that they eat that clean, clean diet. And I have two sons, one who, if he eats, you know, Fritos all day, every day, probably he's going to be fine. And one who, if he eats it one day, he's, you know, it's going to send him into a tailspin. And that just thinks for him, like, life's not fair. I don't, you know, he asks me all the time, like, why is it like this? And I'm like, this because life's not fair. Yeah. And yeah, that's it. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think you make it, you know, a good point too, to have patience in, in the process because um, it does, it, yeah, if you're in the circumstances where you do have to put more work in, um, that's the circumstances you're in. And it's like, and getting down on yourself or frustrated with the situation. I mean, little, every little, little step helps and it's not about all or nothing, but just to, you know, everybody to remain patient with themselves in the process too. It's Um, it's true. In our house, we say the serenity prayer, prayer a lot, you know, around whenever we get, whenever they get frustrated, I'm like, some things we can't change and we have to accept them. And some things we can change and then we got to put in the work. Yeah. Well, and I think it's important. Yeah. Like, it's so important to remember. Right. And I, and again, you've spoken to this and, you know, can speak to it so well, but it's never like 
I, I mean, I am it's never too late to make a change and to That's start correct. something new. And I, again, not a mom, but I see on TikTok and I see on Instagram so much. It's like a fed child is more important than an unfed, right? It's like whatever way you are able to feed your child, care for them and protect them, you know, it's like, you're doing a great job and then it's never too late to start, right? Like being like, mm-hmm. okay, now I'm able to start really working on the microbiome <laughs> or right. other things. Right. So, um, yeah, I think it's a very empowering approach. And I, I like that the conversation has been kind of switching to that way. I know early on, we talked about that shame and I think that's the opposite of shame, which is like celebration of, you know, like, yay, you're keeping your kid alive. How amazing is that? And now we can help them thrive too. Even more. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess this is a good time to, I know we've touched on it a few times, but another resource that if people are really kind of um, exploring this or interested in exploring this more is your book, uh, Baby in the Biome. So um, is there anything you want to share with our listeners before we start to wrap up um, about what they can expect uh, if, you know, if they go out and buy that, what they can really expect to um, get overall as uh, as a resource in their life from the book? I was going to say, if you, what, are the, what to expect is to at least twice during the reading the book going, wait, what? Is that true? Um, because almost everyone I've had, you know, who's read it has said that, <laughs> that they're like, I had to, I had to Google that <laughs> and, you know, like check you on it. Um, because there is a lot in there that's like a complete switch from the way you were taught to think about things, but it is, it is intended to really focus on the highest impact easiest things you can do in your life and your child's life to make these changes. And I think I make that point over and over again, is like, we're talking about probability here. So we're going to try and reduce the risk. We're, you know, all all things are like that. We're just, we're, it's a cumulative effect over time to reduce the risk. Right. Um, And, and that's really, that's really the focus of of all these things. So um, there, I like that it focuses on a lot of specific actionable stuff that's actually been studied. In clinical studies, I tend to stick to only stuff that was actually studied in clinical studies and then shown to be effective. Well, thank you. We appreciate this conversation with you too, um, because we are not biological mothers yet. And um, I think, but we have a lot of people in our audience who are and have young children. And so I think this is a really um, important conversation and I think it's going to serve a lot of listeners too. So thank you for sharing your knowledge with us. And as we wrap up, we always ask these three wrap up questions. So the first one I will start with is you are a busy mom and an author um, and you have a company. So how do you take care of yourself on a daily basis? Um, And do you have any non-negotiables in your self-care? Uh, I, I like to work out. I, I work out every, almost every day. Um, and that is, that is actually non-negotiable for my family. Cause they're like, dude, you're, you look like you need to go to the gym. Even my husband, I'm like, can I go? And he's like, no, 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 please go. <laughs> please go and come back happy. I love that. That's a, a great one. And a common one. I feel like as like a non-negotiable for a lot of um, people who come on the show. Um, also for the next question, like, where's my vocabulary? <laughs> also for the next question, our next question is, what does being courageous mean to you? So it's like bravery, right? If you're not being courageous, if you're not scared. And so um, I think that means doing the things, you know, put, pushing yourself, like trying to always do reach to the top of your own potential. And that's that to me is like, you know, being being courageous and brave because like life you put makes you be uncomfortable a lot of times, but I think that's important if you're not, you know, as they say, like, if you're not uncomfortable, you're not growing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good one. And then the final question is in addition to your own book, do you have a book or um, a resource recommendation that has meant something to you along your journey? And it can be really on any topic. Um, you know, I read a lot of um, pop science, <laughs> uh, if uh, that's true. But I would say, actually, for me, the, the better resource is I read a lot of science fiction. And what I particularly like about science fiction is because you take, they create these fake worlds and then they change something fundamental, right? That, that, but it allows you the chance to say, hey, what would our world be like if that thing was different? And it finally gives you the chance to imagine it. And coming back to your question about courageousness, it's like having the courage to imagine a different 
today and a different tomorrow. Um, but I actually think science fiction does that way better than anything else. And so I would say my, you know, go-to is actually when I get stuck is I go read science fiction and it opens my brain back up. I love that. That's a really fun recommendation. So if anyone's listening and hasn't picked up a science fiction book in a minute, <laughs> go do it. Um, and if anybody wants to order your book, find you, follow you, um, you know, discover little mixins, where can they do that? So um, all of our handles are, you know, Lil Mixins, it's L-I-L-M-I-X-I-N-S, um, or lilmixins.com. And then the book, of course, is on, you know, your usual suspects of Barnes & Noble, Amazon, things like that. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It was really lovely. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.